This episode of Bev's Video Kingdom is brought to you by Strings Attached Foot Massage and Speed Dating Service. Are you the foot fucking master? <laughs> Looking to share your, uni- your unique set of rubdown skills with a special someone? Strings Attached wants to immerse you in their wonderland of incense, essential oils, and the largest collection of black velvet paintings in Northern California while you get to know other single people the old-fashioned way through hot, intimate foot rubbing. <laughs> Of course, tickling is strictly prohibited. (laughs) Strings Attached understands that a foot massage does mean something. So they have an in-house chapel for the special connections made by those lucky singles who meet their soulmate while pattering each other's paws. Listen, we all know that the way to a woman or a man's heart is through their feet. Let Strings Attached match you up with that certain someone who knows what a foot massage really means. Remember, all foot massages come with Strings Attached. (laughs) Uh, I don't even be tickling or nothing. Uh, I, I really feel like this should be, should be some kind of master. service. I mean, this seems like this might need to exist. I think it's got to be like no face, like a Netflix special where you like have to put your feet, feet through the thing and you just like massage yeah. their feet and talk to them the whole time, but you don't know what they look yeah. like. All you see is the toes. I felt a real connection but, to that oh person. Oh my gosh. Did, you just, did you just describe a foot massage glory hole? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. Hey folks, we are back and we have, oh my gosh, we've got some good stuff in store for you today. I'm so excited. We chose Pulp Fiction this week. Motherfucking Pulp Fiction. Guys, are you excited about this one? Yes. Look at the big brain on Brad. <laughs> All right. See, we're going to have that's coming up Bra- soon Brad because this. Ish. And then he got not, shot by I, Jules. <laughs> is this so? This is like the right time period to have been rented for sure at Bev's Video Kingdom, right? Oh, like this is one that you guys went and picked this up. This is one I think we actually got a screener copy of. Like we had the one before it actually came out on right. the shelves. This is the yeah, dude. When, when, when we our, were passing that around, it was like, oh, you we must got have been Arden's. drowning in pussy. Oh, <laughs> hey, we got that. <laughs> yeah, we got that pre-release Pulp Fiction. You're girls. not going to see it for three <laughs> weeks, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Tarantino. <laughs> oh my God. Who the fuck is Tarantino? They're like, who? <laughs> yeah, we, we don't wait for Tuesdays. We get it on a day of the week. I do. I do want to address Nate. You see, so you just said you said the, uh, and this is something that has has gone with me my entire life since Pulp Fiction came out. It's Brett. It is actually the character's name is Brett, but yet when he wait, says what? it, he says Brad. Like, it sounds like, like Brad. Brad. The, the way he draws it out. Says it. He says, "Look Bre- at the big brain on Brad." I it's- think he says Brad, and he's just showing the guy he doesn't give a fuck what his name is. So I know he asked him. So I'm going to tell, tell you this right now. I had no idea until this moment that it was Brett. And uh, someone of you motherfuckers have said that to me, Brad. How many times have I said, "Look at the big brain on Brad"? Do you? Think? Oh yeah, we're talking thousand, ten thousand. Yes, for the- sure. I mean, many people in my life, being my name is Brad, have said that. And usually I don't correct them because that's no. Actually, it's Brett. I mean, why would you do actually, that? Actually, I've seen that movie several times. <laughs> I had it three weeks before it came out. But yeah, so that's that's always been a big qualm of mine with this this movie. But other than that, oh my lord, it's a spectacular movie, and we're going to talk about it today. 
Um, first off, let's just say a few things. This is one of the nine directed films. Of course, you could say that 10, uh, uh, if you count Kill Bill as volume one, volume two, but the nine directed films uh, Quentin Tarantino has directed. This was number two. Um, Tarantino, of course, got his start at a video store, Bez Video Kingdom. And of course, I did. We, we had heard, I think, that Tarantino was thinking about Wait, coming out with the Did podcast. you just say that he worked at Bez Video Kingdom? It sounded like that, that and I was so excited. That he started at Bez Video <laughs> That was the guy I was, was renting from, and he was criticizing my rom com choices. That's fucking No. Cool. What's funny that's is that it makes it, it like makes so much more sense. Like people were like, oh, that's why they call it Bev's Video Kingdom, because that's where Tarantino <laughs> used to work. No, that's why it's important. <laughs> if I said it, it came out that way, what I meant was that, I mean, Bev's Video Kingdom was our local video store. He worked at a local video store down in, in L.A., and uh, that's where he got his start. But uh, this movie is one of the top 100 lists of all-time greats. I mean, most lists that you see, they include the top 100 movies. It's in there, usually in the top 50, top 25. So it's a, it's a classic um, gave Tarantino his first mainstream success. And then, of course, he started to continue to build that group of actors that uh, he would bring with him in, in numerous other films. A lot of people that went from Reservoir Dogs went into Pulp Fiction, which went into Jackie Brown and, and, and so forth. Uh, this movie won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. And then I want to talk about the Oscars real quick, just before we get to your guys' thoughts on But the Oscars, it was nominated for seven Oscars. It was nominated for Best Picture. Forrest Gump won. It was nominated for Best Director. Zemeckis won for Forrest Gump. It was nominated for Best Actor. Travolta. And then Tom Hanks won. Best Supporting Actor. Sam Jackson. Martin Landau won for Ed Wood. Mm, did you just call him Sam Jackson? Yeah, we're, we're pretty If close. he's not Samuel L., I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. Sam Jackson was in The Hobbit, right? <laughs> Uh, Best Supporting Actress, Uma Thurman. Uh, instead, Divine, uh, Diane Weist uh, won for Bullets Over Broadway. Maybe it's Weist. Weist? I don't even know how you say Weist. it. Weist. Weist, is it? No idea. Well, I loved her in Lost Boys. I believe it's Weist. <laughs> and then Best Film Editing, Forrest Gump won. For Best Screenplay Written for the Screen, they got the win. And uh, it was actually Tarantino with a, a guy named Roger Avery, who was a, a buddy of his. They had a little falling out, though post this and uh yeah so a very acclaimed film for being the the first major release from tarantino uh by far his most uh, uh critically acclaimed when it came to uh, uh awards and i just wanted to see what you guys thought about it what do you guys think zach so so i'm just gonna talk about what you just talked about so he released this movie but he filmed it himself or had like minor backing showed it at Cannes, it won at can and then probably sold it to a major studio right and that's how it that's kind of how it came about he didn't get money for this i think they spent eight million right eight million dollars yeah but it wasn't like his eight million right exactly. I mean, well, it because probably I mean, wasn't not, his eight million but i'm just but. saying that's not a tiny budget i believe it was shopped around before can avery i think is i think helped get money for it i mean eventually it was the their first with uh with uh the uh miramax with weinsteins right and uh they bought it, I don't think, at Cannes. I think it, they actually owned I think it, before. it was before. Oh, really? Because yeah. I was, was going like, to say, I mean, it seems like something that you would do, and then, like, based on its merit, 
ended up being a wide release because it was so fucking good, right? I mean, is I, I guess not. I, I didn't think, read I think, anything, but I think about, the talent is so expensive. For that's this. what it was. Is they talked about eight million dollar budget, but like um, five million, yeah. or six million was to Bruce all Willis. the actors. <laughs> Reservoir <laughs> Dogs was, was huge at this time. No, Reservoir Dogs was the movie that was the that budget. got the attention of Hollywood and and all the producers and the people that wanted to back him. Yeah. What's and funny it, is that they said that Bruce Willis was like had actually had a bunch of flops lately, and this was like kind of his. They they knew they could get him because he had had some like not not as much success, he was which just I think is jumping off a Hudson Hawk or something. I, <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> trash like that. So, anyways, I I really love it. This has all of all of my favorite things, like you know, extreme extreme violence mixed with awesome storytelling, and uh, I really like you know jumping around the timeline. I I love everything that it had going on. What do you think, Nikki? I was talking to Zach before the pod and just, I had, I just have trouble in general remembering where I was when I saw just movies that I know that I, I love. And I don't remember necessarily my first moment seeing Pulp Fiction. After I saw it, it was one of those things where I knew I was late to the party. I wish I was, cause I, I remember going to see Forrest Gump cause I was 12. You know, yeah, we were a little 12, young for this. Too young to appreciate and be there and just geek out on a movie like this. I was too young for it. When I did come around to it, I think it might've been after high school when I was actually starting to venture into just, just watching as much as I can, whatever, like everything. You, you know. probably went to college and every kid you knew had the poster of, uh, of them holding the 45s, pointing them at the, uh, right. <laughs> I mean, it was that, it was Scarface, it was blow. It was all those movies you had the posters exactly. for. And, uh, but it was, it was one of those things when you, when you realize, first of all, oh, this is how this movie is going to be, um, constructed. That and then that's kind of mind blowing, and the way it ends, and the way it circles back around to Honey Bunny, and and uh, the two bank robbers, and how at the very end the conversation, you're like, oh shit, you're back in that same restaurant. Just the way it's constructed, it was so original, and it kind of blew your blew your brains out. You know what I mean? It was kind of, and then you realize that everything that he's going to do from here on out is going to be original, and you're going to look forward to it. Almost all of his characters are extremely flawed, if not bad people. Always, you can't take your eyes off. You know what you're getting into. You kind of leave. A Quentin Tarantino differently than you leave other movies. You're always talking about it after. You're generally going back to rewatch because the images, as um, you know, kind of jarring as they might be, you kind of keep wanting to come back to more. Whether it's the dialogue in between those scenes that that are building the tension. We talked about Fincher building tension, and Tarantino builds discomfort rather than tension, and you kind of like love that discomfort. Because it's just, it's a ride that you just don't want to get off. So it's, I, I love this movie. I love it. And it was so much fun to watch it. It's been a while since I had watched it. So I, I was a little older than you when it came out. Yeah. I was I was 15, I think. And I, I don't remember the moment I saw it, but I definitely would have seen it either in the theaters or right when we got our preview copy at the Video Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was saying earlier when we were talking to the guys, like for me, this reminds me of a few other things that like kind of. Where, where there was big shifts at this in this era. Like, I remember when I first heard <clears throat> Smells Like Teen Spirit from Nirvana. And I even at a slightly younger age, when I heard that, I remember thinking, like, everything has changed, right? Like, this is, this is music that's unlike anything that I'm used to listening to, and it's so good and so everybody loves it so much that, like, this has to mean that music's changing. And when I, when I watched Pulp Fiction, and we were talking earlier about the fact that Clerks came out the same year, I watched Clerks and Pulp Fiction, those two movies from two, like, you know, were sort of breakthroughs for two filmmakers. I remember watching Pulp Fiction and thinking, like, this is, everything's different now. And, and I and I don't know, I can't, I mean, I'll get into, the, you know, I'll try to, like, pin this down a little more later, but 
there's something that's so uniquely Tarantino about this film that, that we obviously see in all the films afterwards, but that is like perfect. It's like an oxymoron on film or count totally counterintuitive. You, you, you are totally in on the dialogue, right? It, it, it's, it's not like they invent good dialogue, but the di- good dialogue is like this key thing. And at the same time, the dialogue is almost like performative and like he's so clearly he's directing it to be almost like halting in a way, like 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 the, the even the speech pattern and the sort of like, you know, he's the cadence, the of, cadence the Tarantino exactly, of the Tarantino monologue. dialogue. Yeah. It, it doesn't have the effect at all of a lot of movies where you're like suspending disbelief and getting into the story and forgetting you're watching a movie. You're totally aware that you are watching dialogue performed in a movie the entire time and you can't fucking look away like you love it so much you want so much more of it and 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 the dialogue is like not it's it's dialogue that's not like normal conversation and normally that would take you out of it and yet it pulls you into but yet it's everyday things that we all think about and talk about and that go through our mind every day but but it's not given to you in a way that some you talk to your friends about it it's very different than that and so like It's, it's it's almost as if all your friends were on cocaine and they just yeah. talked and talked and talked at you. We have plans and, to do that. Do we, <laughs> is that not? Did you not bring the cocaine? Next pod. Yeah. Next pod. So, so yeah, I, for me, I just, Tarantino, this movie changed things, right? Even more than Reservoir Dogs, which has got him his start and has some of these qualities. But this is like, you know, it's clear to me why this is the breakthrough. I loved it. When are we, we going to, Brad, when are we going to talk about our, our senior issue? Yeah, so it, when this comes out, you've probably now seen it on, on the socials, is that uh, Nate and I, we we became pretty big Tarantino fans, and as, as much as high school kids can. And we were talking about our senior year. What are we going to do for our senior quotes? What are we going to do? What and we thought do? we were cool as fuck. Thinking we were cool as hell for our, our little high school. Uh, my name comes first, and I say, hey, man, want some bacon? No, nah, man, I don't eat bacon. We totally fucked up the line. <laughs> that's that's our, our dumb high school brains. We couldn't even get the line right. I, I, and it's I, I, in writing. It is in writing. Oh, I, bl- totally I, I blame writing. the yearbook editor. But but so yeah, if you go to our Facebook page, which is a good entry, but if you go to our Facebook page, uh, we'll have posted the, the actual picture from our yearbook uh, that shows our fucked up our fucked up dual quote from Pulp Fiction. By the way, if you love us. And you do love us. Let's be honest. If you love us, go check us out. We have a cool Facebook page. We post some fun questions and things about the pods coming up. Uh, we're all we, we try to replicate those on Twitter and Instagram. So follow us, like us, do all those things. Also, we don't get a lot of email. So if you want to send us email at Bev's video, no, there's no apostrophe in email addresses. Nah. By the way, so don't fucking put it's an not apostrophe at in that it's shit. Bev's Video Kingdom at, at Gmail. But don't put up an apostrophe in Bez because you will be wrong. So my, my son has his own email address, and he's like, it's hunter at Gmail. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, it's uh, hunter at, at gmail.com. Gmail. And I was like, Gmail? He's like, yeah, Gmail. <laughs> I was like, all right. I asked him about Google. He's like, he uses a computer every day. He's like, I don't know what It's that is. Jugle. But yeah, on, on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the Facebook, BVK Podcast. Uh, I think on Facebook you look up Bev's Video Kingdom, but on, on Twitter and Instagram, BVK Podcast. And then just email us some shit. I mean, I don't even care what you email us. Like insults, pictures of your dog. I don't actually want to see your dog. Dumb senior quotes. Dumb senior quotes. Unsolicited dick pics is what we're looking for, guys. That's what we're fishing for. <laughs> we're right dancing now. around it, but let's just get These right are officially it. solicited dick pics. We're <laughs> soliciting you to send us pictures of your wiener. <laughs>
Bev's Video Kingdom is brought to you by Jackrabbit Slim's $5 milkshakes. Have you ever had a $5 milkshake? No, not some $2.99 chunky-ass mixture of fake ice cream and sour milk. No, 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 daddy-o. I'm not talking about some $3.67 bucket of white cow piss and shit-tasting mocklet. Uh-uh. Oh, what, you once had a $4.83 shake from Peppermint Patties and you think it was pretty good? Get the fuck out of here. Seriously, out now. No, I'm talking about a real, authentic $5 Jack Rabbit Slim's masterpiece of cream, sweeter than your mama's hind milk and flavor so rich, I'll make you show the whole restaurant your O-face before you finish. It's so good you'll feel like you were swallowing 100 Christmas mornings at the same time. It's so good you'll think it cost upwards of $5.61. Jack Rabbit Slim's $5 milkshakes because you deserve better than $4.99. <laughs> Brad, did you say your enter code BVK Pod and get your shake for $3.89? <laughs> did you say Did you say your mother's hind? Hind, <laughs> hind <laughs> milk. It's hind milk, bro. Don't you do you even Dude, do you even breastfeed? Do you even hind? <laughs> do, you, do you even hind milk? Oh my god! All right, All right. So on this pod, we we start to drink with the director, and this director, this is one of those ones. I'm not exactly sure I would like to sit down and talk to this man <laughs> because I'm not sure I would really like talking to him because he seems a little a little bit of an asshole, but. Quentin Tarantino walks in the door. We're sitting down. We pour him whatever the hell he wants to drink. Hey, Quentin, you want a really thick beer? Gentlemen, what do we got in our glasses tonight? Oh, God. How do we describe this? Mm. Oh, I'm, I'll start since, yeah. since I, mine's quick. Oh, I thought you were talking about your own. I was like, damn, what's going on with yours? It can't be worse than theirs. Uh, no, mine's not worse. But So so uh, Zach's wife was, was going to, this is representative. Zach's wife was going to bring drinks, and she was sort of, she texted my wife and I and said, like, what do you guys want us to bring you for drinks? Because the, the chicks are hanging out here um, not laughing at us or paying any attention. And uh, so she then, I didn't respond quickly enough, so she texted Zach and goes, find out what Nate wants. It'll probably have something, it'll pro- probably involve grenadine or Diet Co- diet Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> and she's not wrong. And now he's drinking I, bourbon? I have a bourbon Roy Rogers. Bourbon, Diet Coke, Should I come, There's got to be a name for this. Should I come up with a name for that? Yeah, it's called I'd- Diabetes 2. <laughs> This is called part two. I'm gonna name. I'm gonna name part this. Two. I'm naming this the Tarantino. Okay, so that's me. But what do you two, uh, you two milk mustache motherfuckers? Think? Well, Nick and I are gonna chink glasses. We are drinking the. Uh, we talked about it, but it's the thickest beer that anyone's ever seen. It's rather chewy. You can't see through it. It's got. Uh, it's got chunks, and uh, it doesn't have chunks. It's very delicious. Um, it does look like orange juice, but it is, it's called it looks uh, like, Hazy to, Baby. To be clear, it looks like an orange Julius. Looks it's like actually, orange, it's actually really a good. melted down orange Julius. It's from Blaker, Blaker Brewing in Ceres, California. It's called Hazy Baby. 
Don't spill it in your beard or you'll never get that shit out. <laughs> I'd looks, say it looks like more like a milkshake IPA, but, but there's hazies that are that hazy. It it's, looks like if Rocky very, cra- yeah. you know, broke the five yolks in his cup before the <laughs> morning run and he, and he chugged it. Somebody poured a $5 milkshake in my beer. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> it, it looks like if Stifler went three more rounds with that chicken American pie and just used the same beer cup. Blaker, we love your beer. It's a tasty beer. It's really like We really do like your beer. It, is it does look it is like delicious. pureed pineapple. I'm on my third glass. <laughs> Chew your beer, boys. And I'm actually, uh, I'm on the less stressed, more west, which is uh, Last Call Brewing. I was being drunk last week. I had some extra cans, so I brought those with me. So Last Call Brewing, thank you for providing me with some good beer. Brad says, Zach, can you get me a beer out of my ice chest? And I said, sure. He said, give me the colorful one. And they both are literally a rainbow of colors. And I was like, okay, I'm really not sure what to do. Yeah, I think I might have screwed that up. That's all right. So Tarantino's got his drink. He sits down. And and you know what? We have to get it out of the way because it's it's the question that he's been asked probably the most whenever he's talked about Pulp Fiction. The briefcase. I wanted to get your your gentleman, your thoughts, while Tarantino listens to what our little musings on. What's in the case? Same. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Are we saying it's Gwyneth Faltrow's head? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> and I, Vince I, Vega I, was I, like, holy oh, shit. I think is, it it Mia, is it Mia, Marce- Mia Wallace's head? Uh, Maybe Mia Wallace's I mean, if we talk about it, the, the one thing that's when, when Tim Roth reacts and he's like, is that what I think it is? That's the part that just like really makes you think. Okay, it's well, not gold. It's not like diamonds. Because they talk about diamonds. it being diamonds from the cross universe of Reservoir Dogs. Right. Talk it's about the, that the being diamonds. diamonds. Right. All right. I, got, I, I have a theory here. Okay. It's. Oh yeah, I forgot. Never mind. No, I, what, I, what I was going to say, I, 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 I wanted to. So I, anticlimactic. So, 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 so what's the, what's, what's the, I'm not a religious guy. What's the cup, what's the cup from Indiana Jones? Oh, Last the, Crusade? the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail. Oh, yeah, shit. It's the Holy Grail. It won't fit in. It's I a think golden it's a chalice. Too, oh, that makes sense it, why the it, British it, guy was like, do I, is that what I think yeah. it is? He's and, like, and, I've seen this and, before. And, and remember, right? Like fucking Jules is all about having a moment with God. Then boom, solved it then. like I'm a zodiac group of fucking investigators. So Marcellus is afraid of dying. He wants this thing. He got it in his hands, and somehow these guys got it back from him. So they had to go blast him. Alternative, so, holy grail. Yeah. I mean, the soul thing was cool, but it sounds like that's all like internet talk. Yeah, like, They're saying it's soul, someone's soul. They say it's Marcellus Wallace. Wallace. His soul. That's why he has a bandaid on his neck because they, you know, internet. People said that that's where the soul left his body. Oh, no, no. And that's because he, he has that. Abandoned. That's because he has that weird like bumpy neck rash thing, bro. He struggles he's just shaving. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, that's what happens to guys who shave their heads. He's not, a mock, he's not a Mach Five guy. He's, he's a like, Mach Two guy. That's looked, exactly that's what, what he gets. It's what you get. Ving. Use it. I fucking fan fan theory. Reddit. Note to self: Use Mach Five rather than the Mach Two. We're saying he didn't have enough blades on his razor, and that's why his neck looked like that. R.I.P. Norm. R.I.P. Norm. <laughs> All right. What what else are we asking? So we we had our conversation. Tarantino's laughing at us or something. Did Nick just body bag? Fucking yeah. Note <laughs> to self. Mach two. That's Norm, bud. Body bag Mach two razors. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there's anybody's got a, a, an opinion coming. on razors, it's yeah. Nick Brown. Yeah, Nick Brown. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> He's a tester. He's an I'm official about tester. that six blade life, son. <laughs> Mach six, bitch. <laughs> The blade researchers, they show up at his house like, hey, let's try this one, Nick. What do you think? Some people some people have a quiver of arrows. Nick walks around with a quiver of Mach 5 razors and just fucking pulls it out and just... Uh, sounds like somebody's... In between uh, each class, Nick shaves completely. 
by the end of the class, they're all, we can't hear you over your jacket rubbing against your neck. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Tim Allen and the Santa Claus. All right, somebody take a shot at Tarantino. <laughs> who's, who's, who's got something for Tarantino? Let's, let's get this. I got, I got some shit. Okay, so do I ask that? So, so I, he's so loved, and this movie is so loved for the out-of-sequence and I want to know, like, this is a movie where I'm not sure what that device accomplishes. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that, like, in this movie, the out of sequence is sort of arbitrary. Or for me, it was. I, and it was, I, and I, again, like, I genuinely don't mean this as a criticism. I just, I, I found myself going, like, you know, I think about a movie like Memento, right? And, like, it's a device that, you know, works in a certain way. And there's a lot of movies that you can think of that are slightly out of sequence where, like, they're revealing information in an important way. But th- for me, this kind of comes, you know, like goes part and parcel with the uh, another question I have, which is like, what is this movie even really about? Like, you know, what are we trying to, other than sort of understanding the dialogue and seeing some cool shit, is there really a theme or a message? And if so, then how does the <laughs> out of sequence device w- supposed to work for that? I, I don't even think, I, I love that question, but not even with the, the device of the time of the film, but more just like, what is the, what is this film trying to say? You know what and, I mean? And I, I couldn't, I, I genuinely couldn't come up with an answer. I was like, I don't And I don't think it needs to know. say something. I'll preface this right. all with saying I don't, I don't think it has to say something. Right. I think it could be just completely interesting, right? I mean. Right. Well, well, I mean, so, put yourself in the shoes of when you first saw it and did you think, did you think that then? You know what I mean? When you felt like everything was oh. changed, you know what I mean? Were you thinking that after watching it now we've seen all these different, which he created, right? The later, disjointed right? narratives and all that, that he, he pinned himself and now you look back at it and like. Did it need it? Did it not need it? I mean, it, it maybe kind of, you can have that argument, but well, at the same time, that was the, I mean, arguably like the birth of that form of filmmaking. So is in the the first of it. Well, you got to go to the title of Pulp Fiction. I mean, right. referring to pulp stories, pulp right. comics of right. the day when they were just, they were a little racy, they were action based. Mm-hmm. They were like little small kind of vignettes. of Shorts, of, like shorts. Yeah. They were yeah. basically like, and, and so I think that's what he's going for. And obviously right. it's a combination of those, but they happen to intertwine. So it's almost right. like four little separate stories but he just decided to connect them all in yeah. kind of a creative way so yeah but i mean even so so just to push this one step further though like pick any of the stories what's the fucking point that's I the mean, thing i think pulp the the pulp comics there wasn't a point it was just right. like it's something that's going to be action it's going to be uh, uh there's going to be some mm-hmm. some so, cuss so, words and some things that are a little bit racy so and, this reminds me a little bit of like because like that you know, isn't exactly new, and yet it feels so new here. Like it reminded me somehow of the Chappelle Show, right? Like for some reason, you know, Chappelle Show was so revolutionary in an area that had been so overtread, right? Like there's you sketch know, comedy, sketch comedy general, had been yeah. done, and yet somehow Chappelle is this like revolution. And maybe part of it is like it's a little bit of what I talked about earlier, which is you know with with the way that the dialogue feels very much like you're not getting lost in it; you're watching a performative you know thing. It's like it's putting you through an experience that isn't about you finding meaning in it. It's like you sort of it's it's you going through and being like, wow, you know, like this is fucking cool. And, I, and I'm not somebody to like have that. I mean, this is part of it. Right. It's like I'm a story guy. Like I loved I love the story. I like the plot. I was just saying something the other day. Like I can't hardly forgive a fucking bad plot and a bad story. But this is like something that you just you get lost in it, right? And, and I, for me, I think it's it's that element of it. I it's got like, some shit for my for my snag, so I don't okay. know if I want to like tread on it. But we'll it totally there. it totally talks about that a little bit more. I Maybe mean, give some insight into why he did because well, it's actually like a 
not that we get too much into like film school talk on there, but I, and I don't, but for this, I thought it was actually relevant because it is, it was like the first of a time in the birth of like a way of doing movies. And so I got something in regards to specifically to that and that like the disjointed we're such fucking, we're such cinephiles. I love it. We're so fucking <laughs> had, so had to. We gotta geek out. Hold your Quentin, load. Quentin would want us to. I was just talking about coming in my drink. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I was just about to tell Nick to hold his load, try to do do some multiplication and wait for the snag. <laughs> Too late. All right, what else what else were we asking um, the big QT? So I because I you know, I got some whiffs of and and read up on a potential reservoir dogs pulps uh prequel out there. I wanna know what the fuck is happening on that action quentin and make that shit happen it was supposed to be and this was quentin even acknowledging it in a in an article that i read that it got as far as that it's set in amsterdam during vincent's travels in amsterdam and uh and vic his brother meets up with him in amsterdam and it's kind of about them just getting into shit together getting into trouble over there in Amsterdam and that's the premise he couldn't come up with anything more and he admits he couldn't get much more and I just would want to talk and sit they, down and I think that, I yeah. think between the four of us I think we could come up with a screenplay in I think about they've, eight they've hours. aged out though that's the problem is they they've aged out you I mean I don't think you he, I don't think oh, Tarantino yeah, would right. ever want Adam Driver as of, Adam Driver <laughs> as Vincent <laughs> Vega oh yeah oh, I'm all I'm in, in on that's, that. that's, yep. that's not Let's terrible that's not terrible right down after the pod Speaking of, I mean, yeah, I mean, God, Adam Driver. So who's Vic? Ooh. Who's Madsen as a as a young as a young boy? Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> Miles Teller. Oh God, that almost works. It's terrible. <laughs> he's got to be uh, older. He's got to be older than Vincent, right? Maybe a little bit. I mean, th- but what's interesting about this though is like, you know, what the fuck does he have to come up with? I mean, this is the point, right? Like the yeah. the, the Tarantino you're revolution right, right. is just dial. I mean, like it's the dialogue and the sort of odd circumstances that you find yourself in that are kind of very everyday and mundane or very far fetched. Yeah, but that shit takes some thought. It yo. does. Well, and this is my que- this is one of the questions I want to ask him. Right? Is like, why is it so hard to write good dialogue? Right, like, and and how do you do it? Like, how do you write dialogue? I mean, and this is one of the things that, like, I think you, to be a little existential about this. Like, when we, you know, we talked about doing this pod. Um, you know, one of the things that you know, and you all probably out there, like, you have, you know, you you have some friends, right? Some 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 guy friends, some girlfriends, a mixed crew of people that you hang with that are like, you just make each other laugh, right? And you say shit that you think is funny. Right. And you don't really know if it's funny. Right. When we talked about doing this pod, we're kind of like, you know, are other people going to think we're funny? funny? <laughs> and I'm still not fucking sure, to be honest. I, <laughs> we, so far, we've only established that like, people want to masturbate to Nate's voice. <laughs> and uh, and besides so. that, it could be just all drivel. Just these wait. assholes think they're cute. <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, so like, well, how do you figure out that, hey, I'm going to write this dialogue and it's going to really hit, you know? And I don't know what the answer to that question is. I really would love to, like, if I was going to ask him a real question, I'd say, you know, what do you do? What's the process? But How do you figure out what good dialogue is? It almost goes back to what you were talking about earlier, Nate. Like, and I'll preface this with saying I love most Tarantino everything, but is it good? Like, is it realistic? Is it but a I Tarantino think those movie are two dialogue? Questions, though. It's well, not realistic, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, good. no like, one talks like that. No, but it's great. It's hyper realistic. It's very. It's like uh, Sorkin. Like people talk shit about Sorkin because you're like nobody talks like that. Like people are too articulate and like quick witted and just like boom, boom, boom. 
But, uh, I mean, I guess maybe if you so, hang out so with cooler it, people than we do. I was say, is it the fantasy of the dialogue you want to have? I think it so. Dude, it's movies, dude. And he was he, he admits it. He was a movie store clerk, and he just loved fucking movies that entertained you. And there is no rules. There's no boundaries when you're when that's yeah. the case. So you make the most entertaining movie possible, if that means including the dialogue that lasts for 10 minutes, 8 minutes, 15 minutes. It doesn't fucking matter if it's entertaining. I mean, the guy makes intensely entertaining, entertaining dude, movies. It I sucks was, me I had. I had the, everything. I had the question: Is he the best? Is he one of the best or the best writers of dialogue that that we know of? I mean, I mean, against Sorkin. I mean, I don't give a shit. I put him up against Sorkin. Like, think no, about I mean, every movie. How you are drawn into his dialogue between two characters? You're in that. You're in that room. You're only, in that room in the opening scene of Inglorious. You're in. So I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw out a weird one as a third, just to consider. That's really off the wall. Not even a movie. Not. But uh, Amy Pallad- Amy Sherman Palladino, who wrote Gilmore Girls. Oh, my God, Nate. Dude, that's the other one that I think of genuinely when I'm like, Did that's she a- write the script for my, Midsommar as well? My, my, <laughs> my mom has been listening to the pod, and she just, in her car, slammed on the brakes and was like, they're talking about my show! <laughs> Wendy, I'm here. I'm, oh. Wendy, I'm here for you. I'm I'm here for my you. My sister and my mom are so excited right now with the Gilmore Girls reference. No, but I mean, but I mean, if we're gonna talk dialogue, like I I throw that in the conversation. It's a great example of unrealistic dialogue that's entertaining. Exactly and good right. To watch. Yes. Yeah. No one, and it's sort of like almost like a mix of the Sorkin and the and the. Tarantino Everybody's too smart like, for their own good. They're too smart and too witty, but it's also like it has a particular pattern and like cadence cadence yeah. to it where you're like. I know I'm not watching real dialogue and I can't get lost in this, but I can't look away. It's and it's always raw as fuck, too. It's yeah. always like, I mean, aggressively. Yeah, Gilmore Girls is raw as fuck. <laughs> aggressively. You should hear that shit Lorelai says. <laughs> Wait, I thought we were talking about Tarantino. <laughs> be, crazy. I, I, I couldn't have, I could have imagined we were still talking about. I didn't know it was the this Pulp Fiction slash Fiction Gilmore Girls. Girls. We're, now uh, in season, we're now in season four of Gilmore When Lorelai and the Gimp have that fucking long conversation. There's some people standing intense. up and cheering right now. They're like, are they really doing it? Are they going to this is that disjointed Best narrative we were talking ever. about. Uh, we this just went completely out of order. Third part of this. Uh, All right. Well, I want to jump into the movie real quick because there's there's a scene that I in my most recent rewatch. Well, what's your favorite pod. scene, Brad? Well, no, this know. is this is even oh, okay. favorite scene. This is I I was confused as hell, and if Tarantino's sitting here, I'd be like, okay, dude, what the fuck is the wolf doing at eight a.m. in the morning when he takes the phone call? From Marcellus, that he's going to have to uh, uh, go over to the house to, to deal with the situation. He's got a tuxedo on. Wolf's been up all night. He's sitting in a bedroom. And this is the first time I realized. At first, I thought it was like maybe they're going to church or it's like some type of event. But then I was like, they're in like tuxedos. You don't wear tuxedos to a, a funeral. And then you hear in the back, this is the first time I ever realized, heard in the background, place your bets. <laughs> There is somebody, there's a casino, there's people you can see at a casino table in this either hotel room or bedroom. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on oh, here? Really? I got an easy answer. He, he's the floor manager for like a, a fucking basement casino, basement casino yeah. that, that Marcellus runs. But then he bounces and is gone and then he goes to the- He's the, got help. He goes to the, the, the oh. Monster Joe's and then he goes and hangs out for, for lunch with the girl. I, I love that it's a that Marcellus owns it and it's all connected. Oh yeah, he Marcellus. Oh, so you yeah. think he's, he's managing some type of underground casino? Yes, yeah, I like he's that. He's like one of the guys there. Yeah. All right, dude. I when never you, came to that shit, Brad. When I, you I said that, when you right said now. that 
I'm gonna call I'm gonna call back to an earlier pod here. When you said that you were like, I was watching this and for the first time I noticed this, I was like, is he talking about feeding a horse? Is there hay? Is he gonna feed a fucking horse? <laughs> I know, I'm saying I, I don't pot, know why I'm catching pot, these details. That's that was major, major league. league. <laughs> Brad said the same oh, thing. I, I noticed it for yeah. the first time. Yeah. I, but that's the thing, these movies I've watched like uh, 30, 40, 50 times, and it's like, how did I never catch that? Brad's like, deep as shit. I, I caught some new stuff this watch too. Uh you know, my son was looking over my shoulder while I was doing some research for the pod, and he he says, "What movie is that?" And I said, it's "Pulp Fiction." So he gets on his phone, click 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 click. <laughs> my he comes back. Same shit. <laughs> he comes back and he goes, "Dad, they say F U C K two hundred and sixty five times <laughs> in this movie." <laughs> solid, solid. Is that Jack or Hunter? That was Hunter. Oh, Hell good yeah. boy. So he did some the fuck serious up research. This movie. <laughs> That's great. So I, I've got a couple of other things that I picked up here that I really loved as like some subtleties that I would want to know whether or not Quentin really meant it this way. Let's talk about the straw. Let's talk about the device of the straw. So in the scene in Jackrabbit Slims, right, He she insists that he, ta- he take a drink of the $5 milkshake, which is one of the sponsors of the podcast. No, 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 no. He asks for a drink. Oh, right. He, yeah, he's like, is it that good? He's so, like, I got to try a $5 oh, so, so then, and then she, Yeah, it's exactly right. And then she insists that he should drink out of the straw. Yeah, he starts to move the straw. And she's like, I don't have coot, you know, yeah. I don't have cooties. I can handle cooties. Oh, I missed that. So then she drinks. And so there's all this sexual tension in uh, the scene, right? And like, I was like, whoa. Like all, I'm seeing that, that her insisting and him accepting the straw, right? She's already had her saliva on it. He drinks out of the straw and like has her saliva. And it's like this whole little thing where it's like you swap spit through this straw is like this like really like intense for me it was kind of like this intense like intimate almost like like intimate flirtatious like like sexual thing with a straw with just the act of like okay now let's let's take a different scene jules right before you get there let's just say what the fuck is she thinking vincent just got back from four years in Amsterdam, and she's like, "Sure, you don't got cooties." And the straw was before they shared heroin, correct? Yeah, they shared the heroin yeah. after. Well, it's That's not correct. like she asked to share. It. Yeah. No, I have questions about the heroin. So, but then, okay, so then the other scene is Jules goes in, right? And Jules and 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 uh, and uh, Vincent Vincent go in. He he does the ultimate like disrespect. He's like, "Oh, yeah, we got a burger." Let me try your burger. And then he's like, oh, you know, can I try your soda? He picks up this fucking guy's soda, drinks out of the straw, looking him straight in the eye, just finishes his drink after him. Like, you want to drink, you know? So it's like the act of being like, I'm going to put my mouth on your straw and you want to drink after me. Go ahead, motherfucker. I'm not asking permission, really. Right? Like, he can, he can't say no. So, like, I love the, there's these little things, like, that in, in, on, the, on the first one, right? Like, there are these things that are both subtle actions of both like sexual tension that are not obvious and disrespect in this film that are cool. Like the foot massages, right? This is the whole big conversation. It's this conversation is a foot massage, really a sexual act, right? Well, you know, like it makes the point slowly, right? Almost like a, like a beautifully like Socratic way. Like you like, you know, Oh, you want me to f- massage your foot? Yeah. Get yeah. the fuck out fuck of here. <laughs> right? So like I, I, Tarantino uses this, like these sort of like really kind of backdoor ways to get you to feel this like tension, in ways that aren't obvious, which I love. Me and, and, and can we say that maybe Tarantino? I'd actually. Do you feel like you invented ASMR? Because really, Tarantino <laughs> did, is the king I, of did close I invent ups. it? No, did Tarantino and <laughs> yes, you I owe did. him yeah. royalties. <laughs> Three weeks ago, you invented it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, because he's he's the king of of the close up of eating something or or drinking something, and he gets right up there in it, and the sound effects are always just very 
very uh, visceral. Yeah. yeah. Like, visceral. I mean, it's, it's visceral. It's, That's a good word. Yeah. I mean, like if you go to Glorious Bastards with the, the apple strew, like when they're putting the cream on it. Oh, yeah. hundred like, percent. Just very, he, he, with food, he gets very, and, and feet. He also loves feet. That's a long running thing, Tarantino and feet. <laughs> that's just basic foot fetish, though. I mean, there's yeah. no, there's, that's not a <laughs> Good movie old device. Fashion that's foot just fetish. That's if just, if Tarantino was actually classic. here, he'd be going over uh, to the wise and like checking out their feet right now. <laughs> look at the, look at the feet on that one. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, you got to say like, I mean, Mia Wallace is a woman that uh, you know enjoys the power that she has over men, right? Like the whole she time, she is like subtly, like putting out the vibe is she doing it intentionally I, just to like fuck with them and see how loyal they are or is she doing it because she just she likes the game bro she, she likes, the, likes game. the game and i think she you don't think I, she's gonna let I, them close the deal i don't want to i don't want to step on my alternate ending <laughs> so <laughs> let's move on from that do we have any do you have any like half-ass like internet shit out there that you want to talk about now any like eight million dollars scenes eight million dollars to make 200 million dollar worldwide 213 million dollars i read daniel day lewis was considered for vincent vega really wow that would be maybe quite half-ass internet research but daniel day lewis was considered i'm vincent vega and tarantino just forced himself because he like looked up to travolta from urban cowboy and and uh so that's interesting because yeah, what Saturday I read was I read that Michael Madsen it was written for Michael Madsen I read that too, and yeah. then he couldn't do it because he did uh, Wyatt Earp with uh, yeah, yeah. With I read Costner. that too. So, so the Daniel Day Lewis might so, be so bullshit. What's fun about for me just as a quick note the Travolta character here I remember at the time I don't know if you guys remember this but he had it was such a comeback for him and like he becomes relevant all of a sudden again after like some bullshit okay. like, look who's talking and I remember even at the time and I what? didn't what. Look who's talking, bro, with Bruce <laughs> sorry. fucking Willis, one of my favorite sorry, movies of all time. Did he see the baby or something? He's the voice, yes. Oh, He's my God. Wow. Dude, I didn't peg you for a wow. look who's talking guy, but Can hey. you fucking check we'll, yourself we'll get to before you talk shit bit, on look who's right, talking? Right, we'll, we'll get to Travolta in a while. Look, oh, yeah. we'll you can continue with your point, but don't talk shit will, about look who's <laughs> talking. I'm getting reprimanded. I'm getting bad looks from uh, I'm saying, yeah, we'll get to Travolta. He definitely's going to get his zero. Look at the big brain well, on Brett. I'm going to call Brad Get to Brett the chopper. The the, <laughs> we, got, we got a helicopter. We got a helicopter. Over, I don't know if our listeners going heard going the Going over the, the Bev's Video Kingdom we Studios right now. We just went straight from Look Who's Talking. Pulp Fiction. Uh, our, our guest judge just uh, just uh, sort of rolled into the compound. Uh, he's not going to be able to Scotty. hear the draft, but uh, he just rolled in. Maybe they're looking for him. I think I'd probably. I mean, he's, he's, he's a drug space. dealer. He's, he's a drug dealer, right? Didn't we already confirm that? They're like, we need a farmer that can drum. Stat. <laughs> All right, my, my last question for, for Tarantino would be, uh, after Pulp Fiction comes out, there was a just a whole host of, of Pulp Fiction-esque movies, and I would like to ask Quinn, what's his least favorite Pulp Fiction ripoff movie? Because there was like eight heads in a duffel bag, uh, things to do in Denver when you're dead, two days in the valley. There was just a bunch of stuff that came I've out. I've seen none of those. Um, so go, I've seen, go, I've go seen was all definitely of something like that, but I mean, I think... I Go think we, I stood think we, on have, we have a pod on Go. Don't yeah, check out our channel. Don't, don't, don't you think it's that it's spot. like his Tarantino's so good at Tarantino that even when you blatantly rip off Tarantino, it's still like oh, most good. of those movies yeah. were shit that I just mentioned. So I just want to. I'd, I'd like to know if there's one particular that he really is just like, oh my god. That was no, 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 no. You're missing my point. I don't I think. think I think those movies are all pretty good. Like even like shit derivative Tarantino is like still pretty good. I don't know if any of those are really good. I think uh, not, I don't think anyone saw them. So I'm two not days sure in the valley knows. was all right. Two days in the valley, eight heads in the duffel bag. I but mean, we covered Go, so it was probably Go great. was legit. Great, yeah. Sir Paulie kills it, bro. 
<laughs> so you haven't listened to our other pod yet. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what are you, did, is that, are we are we done drinking with the director? I'm not done drinking. I, I've got I, a lot I more to talk to drinking him about. with Quentin. So I'm going to ask Quentin because uh, recently he went on you know another smaller podcast than us, but uh, he was on Joe Rogan the other day, and uh, he said that he's only doing ten movies. Is this true, Brad? You are the Tarantino expert I mean, in the group. As much as anybody who's in Hollywood says this is going to be my last movie or the last thing. So I is do. that what he's saying for the next one? Is he building it up that much? And what is he doing? Yeah, do we know? It's, I don't know what it's going to be. Oh but shit! It's it, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's his tenth. So I mean, that's the way it's going to go, and it would suck. But I feel like he would he would have to do something. He just seems like one of those erratic cokehead type I, guys. Would it, would it suck? I mean, yes, it would suck. But I mean, but yeah, but I mean, there's a part of me that like really. You know, you want that like guy to go out on top kind of thing. You want so, the body yeah, but maybe he evolves and maybe his style changes and he turns into something like different. I'm Look, t- my I'm my my old. uncle. I'm too old to experience anything different, bro. My uncle, my brother, my dad. Repeat. My uncle, my brother, my dad, and my cousins. We get together and see every Tarantino film in the theater, like as close to opening day as possible. And we don't see each other all that often, but we do. It's when there's a Tarantino film, it's a guaranteed like little family reunion. So I think I was in on the Django one, which maybe that's why I like it so much. So this is, so this is what's going on here is that most things are propped up by brevity a little bit. Like you were talking about Chappelle show earlier. Like if he goes to the sixth season, maybe there's like some stinkers in there, but he's got two seasons of like home run after home run after home run. But Tarantino never drops off. Like his shit coming out now is like still really good. Like I don't think that it's like yeah, oh we're having true. a decline in quality. Like why would you quit? Like your shit is still you're still on top of it. Plus you literally have the freedom, and he probably has had it for a while. So maybe that's why he thinks he can but, quit. But, but the freedom to do anything you want. But there will be a moment, right? Like where it, where it might drop. Well, like he, might, like he, he, said on, he said on the podcast, <laughs> he, he says that old directors suck. I mean, he yeah. he's come out and said that specifically. He's like. Old directors, they get worse. They get bad. Yeah, we they're watched, not, we watched the that. last Eastwood movie where he writes the movie and writes himself into a threesome with a couple of 26-year-olds. I'm sorry, that happens in Macho Chacho? <laughs> not in the Macho is? one, but in the other one. You guys will know the if mule? you've seen not it. Not the mule. The mule, the, the mule I believe. Oh, okay, the new what? one is, is the, the I missed Macho that scene in the mule. There was a threesome scene in the mule? I missed the, yeah, okay. It's, he's like, he like goes to the drug dealer's place and the drug dealer like oh, gives him a couple of girls. Zach watched it on X videos. Did I watch the Pornhub version? <laughs> that guy really Sorry, looked Zach. like Eastwood. No, <laughs> that's yeah, called hung, hung like a mule. You, uh, yeah, hung you, like yeah. a mule. You watched that. That's what it was. Yeah, that, totally different film. That didn't win any Academy Awards. I think I watched The Mule's Cock. It's a different movie. Mule Cock. Uh, two words. Uh, <laughs> all right, should we let Tarantino leave? Yeah. I don't I mean, think he wants to go. He doesn't want to go. He I'm just got partying. out of cocaine. I'm, There's I'm, a mirror on the table. I'm probably I'm ready to punch him. We're so. about to write a movie. Get him the fuck out of here. I love how it's like one of Brad's like favorite directors, and he's like, and he's I'm pretty right, sure I'd fucking hate this guy. He's kicking <laughs> we were no, coming, I'm gonna really, have him on the show, and I think I'd fucking hate him. We were coming back from fishing day, and he's like, almost like like having like this fucking crisis of conscience. He's like, God, I don't think I would like Twin Turn. <laughs> I, I, I might fucking want hey, to eat him up. Don't meet your heroes, Brad. That's what they say. <laughs> oh, dude, I I wish to God that I didn't know the things I know about Winnie Cooper. What about oh. Winnie Cooper? She's like the actress. Is, there's some not great stuff. Oh, She's but Winnie of, Cooper. Yeah, but that's my point, man. I don't want to. I don't want to know about the actress. But you sound yeah. like you already know it. I know, but I'm not going to tell you. I don't bro, believe me. I understand everyone's fantasies. Dude, Katie Holmes married Tom Cruise, bro. Uh, what the point. fuck is happening? <laughs> I, will, I will say that uh, uh, some friends in high school, just going back to my Tarantino uh, fandom. In high school, we did a movie in Spanish class, and it was called uh, Los Muchachos con Pistolas. 
and it was very ultra-violent. It was zombies. It was kind of from dusk till dawnish, but we, of course, did the classic opening up the trunk. We threw one of our friends in the trunk with the camera and oh, opened up the trunk to get our guns out, and our Spanish teacher was so pissed off. She's like, I didn't want anything that was going to be violent, or, or but then she gave us like 20 bonus points because we actually did a decent job of like cinematography and and, and Senora, put it Co- Senora Costa was a, a reasonable woman. Oh my yeah. God, Mr. we got Co- the bonus points about her in a Costa. long time. Yeah. Okay. Can we go on a tangent about our high school Spanish teacher? <laughs> <laughs> but that was our, our Tarantino homage, Los, los uh, Muchachos con Pistolas, and it was it was pretty solid. I like the way you said con pistolas. So con you know what's really funny is that uh, we also made a movie in Spanish class, and it was called, <laughs> you, you like went full Spanish for the title. Ours was called Any Given Domingo. <laughs> 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 Any given Domingo, and it was also fucking so good. To you know, it was just a bunch title. of really long, like monologues in Spanish about like pop culture and stuff like that. You know, nothing. Who, no did, big who, deal. who did nothing? Pacino in Spanish? That's what I want. <laughs> no <know>. big deal. <laughs> Still the best inspiring pump up speech. I wish I knew how to say inch in Spanish. I'd do a great <laughs> fucking. Oh, good. I don't, it seems like a, it might be commercial 30. Huh? No, we don't need to do commercials. But I'll tell you guys what. What we need to do is that when I, we listen, are doing commercials. When I listen back to the pod. No, no, no. no we're going to do commercials. <laughs> we don't do commercials here. What's so funny is that when I listen back to the pod, <laughs> we go like this. Ah, a lot. <laughs> and it's just such good radio. <laughs> we all do it at the same time. And yeah, it's just like, all right, hey, you guys hey, It's when we know that we're supposed to move on to the next category. Yeah, it's like, it's exactly well, it. It's, it's like, our is somebody going to keep talking? <sighs> time. Who's doing it? Why are we tired? It's 10 a.m. <laughs> all right. Stay tuned. Listen to these messages, and we will be right back. Bez Video Kingdom is brought to you by Monster Joe's Used Auto Parts and Scrapyard. Got an old 72 gremlin that's seen better days sitting in your yard? <laughs> is that old Edsel you swore you'd fix up never going to drive again? Accidentally killed someone with your vehicle recently and really don't want the cops to know about it? And stop by Monster Joe's Used Auto Parts and Scrapyard where you'll find an abundance of body parts, I mean auto parts, available for all types of cars. Just walk through the aisles of our cemetery. I, I, I mean, graveyard. Well, not a graveyard in the traditional sense. Uh, forget I said that. Anyway, a, as you peruse, enjoy our year-round Halloween decor. But be careful as you search for that working door for your 72 Camaro. Just be careful the lifelike skeleton or rotten corpse don't jump out the vehicle and scare you. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget, trade-ins are always welcome as long as they fit easily in the trunks of whatever vehicles we're crushing that day. Monster Joe's used auto parts and scrapyard. Body work is our business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's so good. We were all sitting here just pissing our pants the whole time. Trying to John L. Sullivan, uh, uh, you know, that playing is Come nice. on down, John L. Sullivan. <laughs> I'm Cal Worthington. <laughs> and his dog spot. All right, folks, it's time for Shag Snag Body Bag. You know the drill, hopefully, by this time. I mean, we're going to talk about things we love, things we kind of, you know, would want to take home to mom, and then things that get the fuck out of here. So what's going on for Shag? Tell me all about it. I would like to shag a motherfucker. <laughs> As a Actually, adjective. a lot of motherfuckers. <laughs> I love... I I could listen. I could literally just sit and listen to Samuel L. Jackson say different versions of motherfucker all the time, all day, two hundred and sixty-five times. I love it. So uh, I'm shagging Samuel L. Jackson's motherfucker. 
I dig that. And so I'm, I'm kind of piggyback there because I'm shagging the uh, just the for for guys our age, the, the quotable movies of our youth. I mean, quotes that are going to stick with us forever. Pulp Fiction, as we mentioned, ended up being our senior quotes, even though we fucked it up. But at the same time, just these these movies that that came out in just a, in a, a very important time in your life high school moving into college and and you just you remember those lines forever and pulp fiction has so many of them that that are still said today that we still quote and i just love movies that that have those quotes that will stick in your brain for the rest of your life can i just say that brad's initials are bmf yeah (laughs) and you know what i've never actually got the wallet and i probably should (laughs) i could officially do it and have my bmf wallet not done it but did we did we mention that that was in the pod that that was actually Quentin's wallet? No. Did you guys? Oh shit! So that okay. was actually his wallet that he owned. Ooh. That was in the movie. That was his wallet. Yeah. That well, he if, if anybody, if if any of y'all would like to send me that wallet, you know, I would use it right now. <laughs> right now, my actual wallet has, uh, and my my wife got this for me because she's an awesome person. It has a uh, actual game worn jersey uh, from one of the Giants players inside your wallet, bro. It's in the wallet, yeah. It it's like the, the lining wallet. is is made of a, a oh, giant it's wallet. It's kind of yeah. cool. That is cool. Say what again? I, I probably say that once a week. <laughs> <laughs> say what again? <laughs> like I said, I, I've heard my, look at the big name on Brad. My, 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 my little, my little girl just looking at me like, what the <laughs> say what again? <laughs> just literally can't talk. Oh, all right, all right. Um, I'm shagging the Tarantino verse, the Tarantino universe. Um, Marvel can give a big thanks to Quentin Tarantino for crossing universes to create a franchise of uh, worlds uh, crisscrossing over each other. A couple examples. You got Crazy Craig Coons mentioned in Django. I think it's in a Wanted poster. People talk about Captain Coons, Christopher Walken's character in Pulp Fiction, the crossover there. As far as them being, it was Coons's father or grand grandfather, great great grandpa. You got Pete Hickok, so uh, Tim Roth in the Hateful Eight, being um, Archie Hickok, so Fastbender's character in Inglorious Bastards. That would have been um, Archie Hickok's grandfather or great grandfather. You got the connection between um, so in Kill Bill Volume Two, Beatrix Kiddo's buried in the grave of Paula Schultz. Um, some people believe is the late wife of Dr. King, uh, Dr. King Schultz, Christoph Waltz's character in Django. Needless to say, there's all of these different crossovers in Tarantino's movies, which just is a whole other thing that Tarantino opens up to his watchers that opens your minds to. You recognize different things in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's a thing where it mentions... Uh, Antonio Margar- Margareti. Margaret from Inglorious Bastards, just the character that um, the the you know the assassins or the other people, not the assassins, but the other soldiers make up. You know when they're at the uh, premiere in Inglorious Bastards. So the way that he crisscrosses his characters across his movies in the universe in the Tarantino verse um, is so much fun. And just one other thing that I think. If you've watched three of his movies, you're hooked. And if you hear that there's these connections, you're going to watch the other, uh, you know, seven as well. 
it's tough for other people to do that because you have to be like so successful in order to do your own original stuff. Like, oh, I'm sure there's some directors that have been like, oh, I'm going to set this shit up, and then yeah. like, next movie that we're going to do this, and they're like, no, you're not getting next movie, bro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, it's you have to have such a high batting average. And they talk about Big Apple cigarettes are in multiple movies shown. Um, big pack of Big Apples. <laughs> pack of Big Apples. Big Kahuna Burgers mentioned in Reservoir Dogs from Dustal Dawn's Death Proof. Cliff Cliff Booth. They talk about the connection between him and Aldo Rain. So there's all these different things. And then you get into this, like the mythical side of it. Of you start to create things, you know, and that's where is it good or bad? It doesn't matter. When you get into that range where people start talking about <laughs> band-aids on necks, yes, souls exactly. coming out of necks. Are they, the, in the, are they the jewels the from Reservoir Dogs like we said earlier? Yeah. Right, exactly. That's You're in a good spot if that's where you're there and you're in like, you know, uh, you know. Uh, legendary status so that that's the world the world that tarantino's created whatever movie he makes 10 11 doesn't matter um i'm loving it so that's it it's like the cult hit that was also a, a popular like super you know the cult hit that happened to be 10 movies <laughs> <laughs> so i'm shagging travolta snagging? on drugs we're shagging right we're snagging. We're I'm shagging. Shagging? shagging. Yeah, I thought we were shagging because I just yeah. shag, I shagged the motherfucker. Shagged the shit out of the Tarantino unit. Yeah. My bad. Shag it up, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to shag I'm, it up. I'm Zach. dehydrated over here. <laughs> I'm, shag- <laughs> I'm shagging Travolta doing his best Hunter S. Thompson, uh, pretending to be on heroin. I think it's so good and convincing, and you really like. He seems so disoriented, but still with it at the same time. It's fucking awesome. His uh, tension with Mia and going back and having that talk with himself in the bathroom while she's outside. <laughs> it's so, so good. And he's just like... It's so relatable. Oh, he's going through it in there. He's like, am I going to fuck this chick right now? Oh, my God. Am I going to risk my life for this shit? Um, yeah, I love it. That was my shag. The way he shuffles up to her door when he's <laughs> at the very start is so, just like, how's this guy going to make it through the night? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so a quick story. They said that he told Tarantino, he's like, I'm worried. I'm not, I don't know how to, I don't know what it feels like to be on heroin. And he's like, it feels like you got wasted on tequila and then laid in a warm, warm pool. And so he says, okay. And then he goes to Kelly Preston all excited and is like, hey, with to research for this movie, we get to get super wasted. And she's like, okay. <laughs> And they just like get naked and super wasted, and they have like tequila bottles lining the pool. That's what the story is. And then uh, the, the hotel I, sets I, up the pool. With I like stopped. A heated I pool. stopped listening when you said Kelly Preston got yeah, naked. Dude. It was. Uh, I mean, John Travolta. Acting research must be one of the funnest things ever. <laughs> yeah, that's I, what I'm, I'm researching for this part. Okay. Literally, the quote was he like excitedly told his wife like, "Hey, <laughs> we get to get messed he up was on tequila." To Kelly Preston. Yeah. Allegedly, he was excited about it. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> So according I, to the internet. I just heard that your, your shag was Kelly Preston. Is that right? Okay, yeah. got, it. <laughs> got it. All right, let's move on to snag. What are we What are we taking home to mom? Taking home to mom. Okay, so this is circling back to Nate talking about the whole uh, nonlinear storytelling, whatever. It's also referred to as disrupted or disjointed narratives, right? So this the unsequenced storytelling style of Quentin Tarantino. We were talking about the dialogue. I'm shagging that. I'm snagging that. Um, his use of that he for all me by all means invented it everybody tried to mimic it nobody can do tarantino style partly i feel like in our opinion because of 
dialogue. Like, I feel like it comes down to dialogue between characters. Nobody can mimic what he creates and what he writes between two characters in any given moment in his movies. So what I research and we don't get film schooly here, but what I did read was nonlinear storytelling can help to hold the audience's attention, right? Longer than a traditional like um, design of a movie. Whereas when it's disjointed, a viewer is kind of forced to, they're put in their challenge to say, this is weird to me. Um, so they're not, they don't know what to focus on in any given scene because it's disjointed. It's kind of fractured. It's not in the traditional um, order of things. Um, they don't know what's important or unimportant in a given scene. So they're forced to focus on any given thing, including dialogue and everything that's kind of said. So you're wondering if, if everything that's being said is important or unimportant, you're not sure. However, at the end of it all, his dialogue is special. Like, I don't even care. So what makes his, what makes him as a director special is not only does he use the uh, disruptor disjointed narratives as his first movie, but his dialogue also happens to be superior and uh, special. And we've seen it in movie after movie after movie after movie. He locks us in with his dialogue. So yeah, the nonlinear storytelling looks like it might help the dialogue between characters or like fuel it or fuel the audience's attention to it or lock the attentions. I mean, I wonder, I wonder how the experience would be. So like, you know, I've seen versions of uh, the Godfather series that the one and two where they've reordered it so that you actually watch it in chronological order. Cause you know, Godfather two is sort of out of order. Right. Well, it's a, that's uh, a, it's route. a, Pre prequel too. It's the story before it's a Don right, know, and so Don Corleone. I, I, has anyone put together a version of Pulp Fiction that goes in the correct order? I wonder if that. I mean, I, wonder I if think it, there's something. So, out somebody there had the an right infographic to watch, and I looked at it, and it was it yeah. it <laughs> it was the worst infographic ever because <laughs> there was so much shit on there that I was just like, I but, can't but, even look at this. But thing. I wonder if it would like really kind of fuck it up. Like, I wonder if if you didn't change any of the dialogue, if it would change the way you saw the dialogue. Maybe not. So that's the thing is like, yeah, I read it. It's a definition, you know, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, um, I, I don't think it matters. I think he did it because um, it was it was it was different. It was based probably on his pulp, on his love of pulp um, of comics and literature. And he thought of an original way to kind of piece it together. And at the end of the day, he doesn't have to piece all of his movies in that um, in that order for his dialogue to be unique and just grab audiences uh, in any movie that he makes. Um, but still, the nonlinear storytelling is original, and it kind of blew, I think it blew everyone's minds when they first saw it, even if I can't remember when the very, you know, the very first time that I saw it. But I know that it, it, it did blow my mind whenever that was. Yeah, my, my snag here is Travolta, and I kind of, I tried to hush Nate down earlier just because I was like, dude, don't, don't, don't jump on my, my Travolta bandwagon, because uh, Travolta in this movie, as Nate had said, like, I mean, he was really 80s, uh, he's in some stuff, and he was doing all right, and then, like, just late 80s, he's he's not doing much, and then well, he I mean, gets- he was in Look Who's Talking, I mean, can we <laughs> Zach, one of at Zach's least acknowledge that one of Zach's favorite films was a Travolta, <laughs> was a Travolta vehicle. A Travolta picture. And he's just, he's kind of lame in that. Like, I mean, he's just like, it's, it's not great. And then you get to Pulp Fiction and all of a sudden, if you look at the character and, and we always say snag, okay, I'm saying it's taken home. Like, what would you take home to mom? My mom loved the shit out of Greece. So I watched Greece a bunch growing up. And so for, for John Travolta to go from Greece and, and, and kind of this, He's cool guy in Greece, and then all of a sudden, like he's doing kind of just lame roles, and then you get Vincent Vega, a, a heroin addict, 
gangster hitman uh, uh, hitman who's who doesn't he's just ready to kill people and it's just it's a, such a great role and he he just he he actually i mean so he takes this role and he moves into another one of my all-time favorite classics is face off he goes into face off where he just gets to ham it up acting like Nick Cage. And I mean, you get some of these roles that he gets all sorts of action movie roles after this. And so he's, I mean, in the nineties, it, he had a run that was, it wasn't great, but I mean, it was solid movie. It was pretty great. Was Resurgence. face off in the, uh, the universe, right? That was Vincent Vega's cousin face off. I believe. <laughs> no, no, Last no. Time I checked. Nick Cage is, is supposed to be his cousin. So oh, okay. Face Come on. All right. It's, Come on, it's go. a universe. He does look more like Tarantino, <laughs> but yeah, no. So I mean, Travolta he kills in this role. He gets to dance a little bit, which is a, of course a callback to his earlier career. I mean, his earlier movie roles. And uh, God, as a druggie, when he he's a meme. You look at that meme when he kind of walks into Mia Wallace's house and he trying to figure <laughs> out where shit is. I mean, that's everybody uses that meme nowadays. <laughs> He's basically like having conversations with himself and stuff. It's it's a classic. So John Travolta, you're my snag, and my mom would be happy to see you. My snag is going to be really quick. My beautiful wife went to UC Santa Cruz, and she oh. covets banana the slugs. old school banana slugs T-shirt that he gets loaned by the uh, Quentin Tarantino character, and uh, I don't. I want that shirt. That's what I'm snagging. The Santa Cruz banana slugs. Yep. UC Santa Cruz. I'm what did s- I say? You said bananas. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna. I got to snag something that maybe is on the nose, but I'm I'm gonna snag Travolta and Jules, not just the dialogue generally, but for me, the the the, the conversations between the two of them are transcendent, right? I mean, as Brad and I demonstrated, we literally, uh, we literally, like, you know, sort of memorialized the bacon bit uh, in our botched yearbook quote <laughs> uh, but you know the foot massage the uh royale with cheese you know i mean the, the those two together and this is you know i think going to come up uh later is i suspect when we uh, in part two try to draft and decide between these characters as sort of you know where they go in what order these two are are such a great pair that i would argue that there's no better single source of dialogue in any Tarantino film than than the Travolta-Samuel L. Jackson combo here. So uh, that's my snag. Body bag. I love it. Body bag. Now we're going to get into something that, I mean, I think it was topical then, and it's, I think, even more topical now, which is the choice in Pulp Fiction. I mean, when you watch it nowadays, there's something that stands out quite a bit. And it's the fact that you have white dudes' obsession with the N-word. And I, I don't, this is something we could have talked about with Tarantino, uh, with drinking with the direct, director, but the fact that he has a very extended uh, 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 dialogue where he is dropping in bombs like it's just nothing in his kitchen. And it's a very aggressive scene. And, and just on a side note, our boy, Bill Paxton, uh, was actually one of the people up for the part of Jimmy, but he couldn't because of uh, some scheduling stuff. He couldn't be there. And I'm wondering, like, since Tarantino did the, since he played the part of Jimmy, did he just decide I'm just going to go full inward, no problems? And if there would have been other actors in that role, would it have been this? Would they have actually been asked to use the same uh, uh, language? Which is just, I don't know. So, so I think the best criticism of the scene, you know, on this front is actually that 
the funny part of the like, you know, the dead, you know, storage bit is not the offensive language. Right. So like, you know, I think if you would substitute that with some other clever word, right, it's still really funny. It, it, exactly. And, and, and and it's, so, it's, so, it's, 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 it's a clever bit. But the fact that you do have that's what I'm saying. So, so like, like dead motherfucker storage, like yeah, if I you mean, were to say something hey, along those lines. If this film could use anything, it's more motherfuckers. Yeah. I right? mean, I mean it, they got it, up to 250 plus or whatever. We could have added a just, few more. For, for one, I want more. Dead motherfucker storage would have worked. But Tarantino, I mean, that's the thing. He's always liked to kind of yeah. push those buttons. And, and I guess he assumes that, that gangster type dudes in L.A. might have been using it. Yeah, I mean, and I and I thought about this when you know, sort of, you know, like the argument often for including a language that feels offensive, uh, you know, even in more modern situations, is that it makes it authentic that that's the way it would be in the real world, um, and and then there's sort of obviously pushback on that as to you know whether or not that it justifies the sort of perpetuation of it, but again, like you know, I just you you look at it here and you go, eh, you know, like I just I don't. But at the time, you know, I, there just wasn't the sensitivity to it, not to excuse it, but like they probably didn't debate it like we're debating. Now. I, I feel right. even when it came out back in '94, I mean, as as much of kind of a Tarantino, I was like, internet's just starting off, and any like articles I could look up about it, I was looking it up, and, I, and it seemed like it was an issue then. Well, Obviously, it, more of an issue. It now. would be much more of an issue now, though. Right. Yep. All right, so <laughs> there's a scene where it shows the it shows the women in the in the drug dealer's apartment or in the drug dealer's house, and then uh, he says, "What do you think of uh, the girl out there?" You know, and he's like, "Who the chick with all the shit in her face?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "That's, That's my, my wife. wife," and it just reminds me of this story where we had a friend that went on a destination <laughs> wedding. And uh, he was a bunch of guys and their wives, and uh, he didn't know any of the any of the wives or uh, and a lot of the guys that were in the wedding because it was just a buddy of his. And uh, they go to the club at the on the destination wedding, and the guys out there dancing, and you know, and one of these girls obviously like is all over him, dancing on him, freaking on him, you know, blah blah blah. He gets uncomfortable. He like gets out of the dance floor goes and sits down guy next to him's like hey how's it going he's like good man this girl is all over me on the dance floor and the guy goes that's my wife (laughs) (laughs) it just reminds me so much of that moment so who's getting body bagged that's my body bag just that moment where you like say something to somebody and they're like uh that's my wife love it love it so much love it so much it's a good take. Um, <clears throat> I'm mir- I'm body bagging. Um, it's a long name, so uh, it's Maria de Medeiros Estevez Victorino. That's Bruce Willis's girlfriend. She's a rough watch for her portion of the movie. It's a very strange selection. It's strange how if Tarantino told her to play it this way, her her dialogue baby-esque like young girl young child how she delivers her her dialogue it's uh it's weird it's off-putting i feel like there was a lot of other you you look at the list of people that went for the the mia wallace part and you think that any maybe one of those could have crept into that short bit as bruce willis's girlfriend and done a shit ton better job could have still been strange, but not so childlike and weird. And um, so 
that part I, I can't get over. I've heard uh, she's been, I've, I think it's been criti- criticized before. I feel like I've heard on whether it's other pods or other articles about her, about her part. Um, and I've, it's a short part. doesn't ruin the movie at all, but she's, uh, it, it's, it's rough through that. And Bruce Willis, as funny as it sounds, helps, helps get us through those portions with her in the movie. So, uh, yeah, she's my body bag. I wish they would pick somebody different. I wish Quentin picked somebody different for her part. It's interesting because I, I, I feel like her part bugged me more back in the day when I was watching it. And, like, just in this most recent watch, I was like, you know what? It doesn't bother me as much. And I, and I, I couldn't figure out why it's not bothering me as much as maybe it used to. And, and it was just like, I don't know, she's got that innocence. I know. Which I think is, like, kind of what she's trying to play is that, like, I she, I mean, she's with this boxer and they're going through some crazy shit, but she still is trying to, like, maintain, like, her little, like, innocence. But I don't know. But, but she knows exactly what's going on. Like, that's does. what's kind of cool. That That is the only cool thing about it is those little moments where she's like, we're in danger, aren't we? She snaps from that weird baby like diet you know use uh, the way the way that she's like speaking in it to this is what bruce willis is into though bro as i said the, be- the better question like, is how did they meet right exactly like what's <laughs> yeah. going on he's like a badass boxer and and she's like goofy as hell it's, I don't know. it's, it's so it's so odd and there's a couple moments where she almost like brings it home but there's too much of everything else that she does to to overpower that but i i hear you it there's some moments where she might it looks like she's gonna ring it in but then they just let her talk about her fucking blueberry fucking pancakes <laughs> and four sausages links or whatever no she, i had to get buttermilk I wish, <laughs> and the way that she pronounces i wish i had a pronounces blueberry a pancakes i i, I wrote down syrup. wait a minute she talking about a pot belly isn't she just talking about being pregnant and it just made it weird she wasn't. That's sure what, what made it weird. About. Yeah, she was. All right. My bot. <laughs> my bot. <laughs> I'm not sure she wasn't. She wasn't. You don't think she so? She would have said it. She I was know, talking about having but, a pot belly. She's like, she everything like, else would be the same. I was, so the pot belly. I was like, waiting for that, too. Pregnant <laughs> that's what she's saying. She's like, Bruce. Um, so, like, so real quick on that, there was some some notes that say that basically she was maybe pregnant and there's one part where she comes out of the, the right after Bruce Willis has a shower and then he goes and lays down the bed and she comes around to like say something to him that she was actually going to admit that she was pregnant. But that's internet rumor. And then the soul came out of the back of her neck. And then she okay. sucked at his soul. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My uh, body bag is ding, 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 ding. The ASMR moment. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying you're body bagging this because it's not going to happen ever again? <laughs> no, my wife wishes that. <laughs> We're working our okay ASMR, tonight. The body bag. This we're is ASMRing good the dill pickle spear. Ready? <laughs> disjointed. Disjointed. This is a disjointed it's narrative. So much I, anticipation. I, I'm told. I'm told that the peaches are the most popular of my <laughs> ASMR so far. The They're, wetter, the better, is what I've heard. I'm, I've told that. I'm told. I'm, <laughs> I'm told. I'm told that uh, that those are some ringtones for some people. Ready? My God! <laughs> man, that's Dill. If there was video to this, man, that's Dill. <laughs> the only. Part- <laughs> Were you surprised that it was Dill? I'm so I'm so, I was so focused was it, on was trying to make the right sound. Were you expecting bread and butter? Like, no, God, no. 
I'm still confused. What what's the body bag here? There isn't one. I just didn't have one, so I did ASMR. It's it's like it's like the uh, you know what's the double jeopardy or whatever. I feel I feel like it's your like, fans though want it to be like on its own. They don't want it to be a part of. Okay, my bag. body bag is the, you, you to... my body bag is this conversation right now. Is there oh. anybody dead in the movie that you could body bag? <laughs> My body bag. What about Marvin, dude. I mean, uh, I, Marvin. I like the movie. I don't, I don't speaking, of, speaking of Marvin, let's go ahead and move on to our, our cameo segment. You know, we've got cameo <laughs> pricing. We like to figure out which of the actors in these films that we watch are in cameo. Are you not taking up my suggestion to make it instead dead or cameo, where we <laughs> guess if the actor is dead or on cameo? <laughs> Well, five, I will five, say when I'm five. going through the list, there are people that I skip because I'm like, yeah, that person's Brad, dead. If, you'd been like, if last week you'd have been like, dead or on cameo, Scott Farkas <laughs> from A Christmas Story, I bet you would have been split 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. All right. So I, I've only got three folks. Actually, okay. So four, Kathy Griffin, who has a very, very bit part, actually labeled as herself, um, she's the first one to go up to talk to Marcellus Wallace. Like, I'll be your witness. That guy ran into you. Yeah. So oh. she used to be on Cameo. No price for her, so we don't know. But there are three others. Two of them comedians. Hmm. It's it's Marvin. Marvin is one, as I said. Speaking Ooh. of. How much we had to pay for Marvin? For Phil Lamar, who uh, started off uh, Mad TV, was kind of like where he got his start. Marvin, it doesn't say a whole lot. He cries in the corner for most of the movie. <laughs> and then he gets his face shot off. Two hundred dollars? No. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Eighty. I'm gonna say sixty-five. Uh, I was gonna say sixty-two. Well, it's fine. Marvin will talk to you for a hundred bucks. He'll come what? back from the dead. Thank Pricey. you. I'll take nice, Nick. Thank you. Man. All right. Um, somebody else in that scene is also in a. Uh, the Brett. cameo. The poor, Brett. the poor man's Ferris Bueller. It's Brett. <laughs> is that what you call him? <laughs> there he is. There like he that. is. That's a good call. Look dude. at God the big damn. brain on Brett. That is, uh, Brett is on cameo. How much are you paying for Brett? I, I would, I would pay. It's Field of Dreams, by the way. Just don't. Oh, he is. He is Field of Dreams. Does he choke on a hot dog? No, he's the one that saves her life. He doesn't choke. He's on a he's dog. the young daughter. Young doc. <laughs> That's his nice. daughter. I bet, I bet, I'll, I'll bet he's $75. $75? Going once. Uh, twice. Who, what, what did Nick say? $70? $70. $76. I'm glad oh, we're on the price. That. There's is right. that price of rice. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Zach is a winner once again. He is $100 as well. Everybody's 100 <laughs> This is a pricey cameo considering who we're talking about here. Yeah. Right? No, I'm surprised. Inflation, bro. I mean, what would you have Brett say? I mean, what? <laughs> he's just, he's over. just, what? what, what? <laughs> That's he's, my hundred dollars. He's black. <laughs> what <does> he say? <laughs> he's black. Oh, uh, and then the final one is a comedian, and she's on the screen for like maybe a minute. Comedian, um, Saturday Night Live, and it's a she. Oh, it's what's her name? It's Pat. It is. It's Pat. Miss yeah. Pat. Julia Sweeney. Yeah. Who plays Raquel, uh, Raquel who is the, uh, the 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 daughter of Monster Joe? I say because you are a character she, doesn't mean you have character. <laughs> I say she's dead. <laughs> no, alive, living. Oh, okay. We, we got okay. We got to guess. Yeah, we got to. There's no ghosts on camera. 
Except Cameo, I'm, I'm, I'm giving them props. Right? This is why they should advertise with us because they actually have their first ever non-human on Cameo. <laughs> Who's that? Watson? Avatar? One of the Avatars? <laughs> <laughs> they got the Avatars? They got, they got the those avatars. avatars? I know you guys can't wait till that movie comes out. Oh, they got those uh, Avatars. No, they have Boss Baby. You can oh actually cameo God. and have Boss Baby also, talk to you. Alec what, Baldwin, thanks. What's the world come to? We know it's you, Alec Baldwin. Oh, I guarantee. I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee just Alec, like Alec Baldwin. I guarantee Alec Baldwin is dick. not giving the voice. I'm sure it's some impersonator doing Boss Baby's voice. There's no way it's Alec Baldwin. Right. How much? So yeah, how much? He would never much do that. It's he Pat would never make a movie. Boss Baby. It's, it's Pat. It's Pat Sweeney. I mean, she's known for for much other stuff besides playing Raquel in Pulp Fiction. Seventy-five dollars. This is the most expensive cameo. Yeah, well, we're right in that pocket. I feel like wow. that's, and this is what I was gonna say is that I think Pulp Fiction just kind of like you lend your name to Pulp Fiction, you're like, oh, I was in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You can you can jack that cameo up. You can be like, yeah. I'm, this is I'm what's happening is that cameos really gained some traction since they started advertising with our pods. Yeah. So by and, us uh, talking about Pulp Fiction, yeah. we get. I wouldn't be surprised if Marvin's 150 next week. Yeah. Yeah. So get it while you can, folks. Get in with Lamar, (laughs) Phil Lamar, $100 before he raises that price after being on BBC. Shit's going up. Get that bump. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, streaming recommendations. Uh, Who's got something that they feel that, you know, you watch Pulp Fiction? We mentioned earlier some of the, the shit that was put out, but um, what do you think is a movie? If you watch Pulp Fiction, what do you need to move on to? I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Called his own number. He's all looking around the table. Everybody, like, you everybody pointed at me because like, Nate's you? blocking the board. He's and like, I'm like, he's like uh, you motherfuckers don't have it. Our, our whiteboard of direction is. is Who shall it be? Is me. <laughs> so, let me tell you. My stream recommendation, and you know what? Smart guy here is going to say, you know what? We did a podcast about the movie Go. You should probably go watch the movie Go and then listen to our podcast if you have not, because it's a good one. Go watch Go. Go. Go, 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 all that shit. So um, if you want to watch Go, it's <laughs> go, 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 it is go. streaming on Pluto TV. <laughs> whatever the, so, whatever the I, fuck. I know Pluto you all got TV that. So everybody that's uh, select the and, and not just uh, Not only is it on Pluto TV. It's on Pluto TV with ads. Uh, you know, with ads. Start, can minute. you just start making up streaming services, articles. please, yeah. and do us a favor? Just make them up. It's I'm on gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna talk to stars <laughs> and say, net. you know what, you need to get Go Back or something because nobody's got Pluto TV and nobody wants to watch with ads either. So. Last week, Brad was like, "It's not streaming." I'll loan you my DVD, and this week he's like, "It's on Pluto TV." Hey, you get it free, but you got to watch some ads. Pluto's not even a fucking planet anymore. I know. Um, all right, Nick. maybe it's the Disney Pluto. What are you streaming? Got gangsters. I, you know, Goodfellas, 1990, Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Larry Liotta, Pesci, Lorraine Bracco, Paul Sorvino, gangster classic. So let me Watch pitch it you. Let me pitch you, you this. Seen it. Let me pitch you. Not this. in a disrupted narrative. That's what I was gonna say. What, <laughs> let me pitch you this. How about they do the Pulp Fiction timeline to Goodfellas? Fuck. Dude. And you just like start with Joe Pesci getting killed. You're, a, you're <laughs> spoiler a, you're a, alert. You're an old spoiler you're an alert. Old young Quentin Tarantino. I uh, give you that. You're an old. I say we, Quentin Tarantino. I say we do an alternate ending. That's what I got. Oh, I'm um, streaming on not on Pluto. Um, Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. You're welcome. What's Amazon? Fucking Pluto. All right, now we're on to. <laughs> I have Pluto Prime, so I don't know what Amazon is. <laughs> Our final category of the evening is is reshelf it, where we're going to take a a 
existing movie and we're either going to walk in the video store and take it from the the drama category put it on the sci-fi or you're just gonna make an alternate ending we need maybe alternate endings to this movie um tarantino would probably hate you for messing with his script but we're gonna do it here just because tarantino's not sitting next to us so he left he already went home zach what you got (laughs) all right i'll go after zach I've got so many uh, ways that you can make alternate endings to this. I, I don't know if I would reshelf it, but I'm thinking uh, if Mia doesn't find the heroin in the pocket of the coat, do they? Does uh, does Vincent get seduced? Oh, I, I say yes, 100 percent, right? That's a good uh, there's call. no chance he gets out of that house. I I don't think so. The way he's talking to himself in he the mirror, like it's the most important much. conversation he's ever had in his life. <laughs> Just like, all right. I, although I, I will note that he does come out and like start to say he's going to leave, which I was impressed by because when he was in the bathroom, and I was like, oh, that fucker. Yeah, yeah. he's going to be, <laughs> he's going to be balls deep in about five minutes. Yeah, he exactly. can say whatever he wants, but if she's not yeah. hitting that heroin, yeah. she's. Yeah, he comes back out. She wants to dance in the living right. room or something. Oh, it's yeah, it's going to be, it's going to yeah. be over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was my that's my that's my that's my <laughs> alternate. Happens, Your alternate yeah. ending is that just simply John Travolta gets laid. Just that one moment, and then it makes me think like, what are the repercussions throughout the movie? Like everything else happens the way that it happens, but oh, that yeah. doesn't happen to them too. But then maybe Marcellus Wallace isn't walking across the street while Butch is uh, oh. driving his car right there. He's over there killing Vincent for fucking his wife. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a butterfly like flaps its dick into Mia Wallace, and all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> butterfly flaps his dick, and like, it just like. <laughs> Is this a new? Everything is that a sex move? Apart. Butterfly slap? <laughs> that's a butterfly effect. You butterfly right? slap my dick. <laughs> it's a butterfly effect. Is that, I understand that's, that. Wrong? That's the butterfly effect. That's the. That's, that's what, what the Ashton about. Kutcher effect. Is yeah. About. All right. Okay. What do you got, Nick? I really enjoyed that movie. By the way, butterfly <laughs> effect is fucking great. <laughs> There's like four alternate endings. One of them, he's a baby and strangles himself. I mean, that's the in his mom's womb with his Spoiler umbilical cord. Alert, alert, man! I'm just saying he strangles just, himself just with his everything own right now. <laughs> he strangles himself with his own umbilical there cord in the what womb. A, what is the Titanic sink too? I mean, would you just shut the fuck up? This is the fourth alternate ending. You have to own the DVD. <laughs> oh, we just gotta get that. And no, make. I do not own this fucking DVD. <laughs> I do. In that conversation was when she tells him that the guy didn't actually give her a foot massage is she trying to entice him to do something or is she just like basically like saying like oh no no that's not what that was about and so he's not i mean that he got killed for some other reason exactly so you think she was telling him that like it's safe you can you can get involved oh i didn't think about that but she's that's- looking for affection from men for sure she's trying to seduce him the whole time i mean again back to the straw right like just swaps. I think they have a connection. I do too. I, I think I, just their characters I mean, and their personalities, him. not just I like a totally foot massage, agree. like surface thing. I think that actually there was like a deeper thing there for sure. It's true. Foot Which is why I think when he's standing in that bathroom, yeah. he's like, he, he felt it. This he is felt it. I love that he does like the hand motion. <laughs> Make sure you he go knows home, what, you jerk off. He knows what's going to happen. <laughs> if anyone didn't know. Uh, all right, Nick, what do you got for All right, I got a play on Quentin's like alternate history take uh so this will this is obviously looking at it now from you know not obviously in 1994 but now seeing of his take on uh once upon a time in hollywood and his take on a biopic of something that actually happened like the sharon tate story and showing her kind of peripheral story in addition to uh brad pitt and leonardo dicaprio's actually made pulp fiction being a biopic of quentin's life so him at the video store, 
so actually Christopher Walken, his part talking to a young Bruce Willis, it's actually Christopher Walken talking to a young Quentin Tarantino about his watch, telling the story. So it's Quentin Tarantino circling, inserting himself into that story with Quentin, with, uh, with Christopher Walken's character, getting told the story about the watch, just as a side, like funny story. So Quentin Tarantino is being told that story instead of Zed's pawn shop. It's not even probably Zed's pawn shop, but it's that pawn shop. It's the video store that Bruce Willis goes into and it's Quentin Tarantino running the uh, desk at the video shop. And it's basically just following Quentin Tarantino's life. And it's basically Quentin Tarantino's kind of biopics inserted into the Pulp Fiction story. That was my idea. It's my, as as instead of Pulp Fiction, it's Pulp Fiction with the biopic with him as the main character. With him as like a, even as just a peripheral kind of like character. It's like him. It's like him inserting. It's it's the Sharon Tate. That's why I say it's connected to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So Sharon Tate, she's spaced throughout it because you know how her story ends. We know how Quentin Tarantino's story ends. So his story is placed throughout this movie, and at the end they find some way to let you know that. Oh, this is Quentin Tarantino. He's kind of creating this, like, you know, some history and building like a, a film repertoire of, of making movies. So it's more gauged around, you know, film, you know, vi- less than less on violence and more on this young kid becoming like a filmmaker around the violence go- going on around him. So it's ending. Maybe maybe it ends with Quentin Tarantino, you know, walking down the street as uh, you know, Jules and. And Vincent Vega are doing something, so it connects with Quentin in some way. So with a biopic, an interesting biopic take. I like it. it seems like too much Tarantino for me. <laughs> it's a little disjoint. As, as far as, and I don't mean like Tarantino uh, material. I mean just Tarantino himself being on screen. A lot of Tarantino, yeah. <laughs> a lot of Tarantino. Tarantino right. played by Alec Baldwin. I'm glad he already went home. <laughs> I would have said that to his face. Um, so. We're here. We're at the end. And uh, what we've got coming up, of course, is our draft popping on Thursday. Uh, we're going to be drafting the most memorable Quentin Tarantino characters from his 10 major releases in theaters that he wrote and directed. So check all those out. Who's our judge this week? You know, we've got Scotch Beck coming in the house. Yes, sir. He is a, he's a Tarantino le- fan and the man, he's going the to break it down in ways that we can't even imagine right now. I, I imagine it every time I <laughs> go to bed and I, well, I think about Scotch's list. Right after you watch the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Right after you watch the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, boy. Yeah, so uh, if you want to, you should jump onto the social media. If you follow us like on Facebook, why not sign up for the Instagram as well and like us on uh, Twitter and go ahead and follow us on uh, Facebook. So just go ahead and jump in all of those. And uh, tell your friends about us. Click, friends click the like us. on iTunes. Send on us iTunes podcast. You know what would actually be great is just reviews. I mean, throw yeah. a couple of good reviews, reviews on up iTunes. there on, on uh, iTunes, on the, the well, Apple Podcasts, or uh, wherever you want to uh, leave a review for us. The, we would really appreciate it. There's a word on the street that there's some positive reviews around about uh, my Barry White voice. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that, that I can't substantiate those things. I'm just saying that's what I'm hearing. I'm totally going to fuck with your vocals on this, <laughs> this next <laughs> edit. <laughs> anyway, guys, like, it's like Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> nice to see you. Check it, just check it out now. All right, folks. So that's been it. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you for following. Again, check, it, check out the draft on Thursday. See you on part two. We'll see you later. Take care, folks. Peace. See ya.
Podcast. Let's start.